You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Second down and one, right back to Barkley in a huge hole. Saquon Barkley off to the races and the home run hitter has gone deep here on the second play from scrimmage for the Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Knicks win in Atlanta. They win three out of four on the road trip, Grump. Get your oh. own podcast. Oh, we're we're still talking about the other thing. Okay, well, I was just trying to keep pe- a lot of you people who are, you know, either on the ledge or halfway down the ledge. Some, something to look forward to between now and... I don't know, the draft or whenever this little Knicks renaissance ends, probably by the time I finish recording this this show. But how are you, Grump? I'm pretty good. You know, I can come out of I can come out of yesterday and last night feeling like the sky isn't falling. I mean, in the last we haven't won a week seventeen game. Well we won it last year, right? Was that the Washington game? Yeah. That was last year? Was it last year? No. I mean, we won a Washington game, but that was the Christmas party for us. So that couldn't have been week seven. I think week 17 we uh, lost to Dallas that was sitting Dak Prescott. Right. The year before that we were dreadful. The year before that we were dreadful. <laughs> and I think the last time we won a week 17 game was 2016. I'm going to look that up and I'll correct myself later on. You know, yeah, whatever. I mean. But, but you know what? This was this – was, we, we've talked about this all year, you know – they they had opportunities to win this division. They had no business winning this division, but they had opportunities to do it. They they yeah, they were in a situation hit. week seventeen where they could have done it. Two things had to happen. One of them they had to do. They did their part. The other part didn't happen, and it is what it is. Um, but I would be feeling a lot worse today if we were out of this by three thirty in the afternoon yesterday. Well, of course, but and, and but you know something, I'm not gonna. Yes, I'm not, not half-fooling this, if that's... Yeah, you know. yes, it is a fact that we've taken care of business. I hate that fucking cliche because it's like, yeah, well, that doesn't excuse everything else that happens going forward. It's like when you say something like that, it's like, well, they had their chances. It's like, okay, well, what's past his prologue? I say that all the time on this show. What's, what's past his prologue? We're here. Mm-hmm. We are in the right here and the right now. And don't give me, well, this happened then and that happened then. It, it doesn't matter. When you're in that moment, you know that's it's 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 a it's a cop out. The well, we had our chances. It's like yeah, no shit. But you know, in this world, things are not binary. It's not like we had their chances, so nothing else happens. And you know, the way it went down, it's just really shitty. And you know, again, who did it? And the fact they're going to get away with it, and it it just really is just rotten. And we'll, we'll get into exactly when we knew what the fix was on, when we knew that this was going to happen. Uh, we've had this discussion about tanking for a couple of years on this show now. Mm-hmm. So I, let's let's first of all get kind of recap what our thoughts are about tanking because we have we have slightly different thoughts on what tanking actually is and what opinions or definitions. Opinions. Um, it depends. Um, so tanking can happen in in, in two ways. Uh, I think I would say probably two. Ways. The first way is right at the beginning of the season. You have a new coach, GM, 
situation probably happening. It either happens at the beginning of the year or, or um, you know, it, it's impending doom. We're early on in the season. People are already shuffled out. Think about this didn't happen, but think about, you know, Bill O'Brien was out very early this year. That's a situation where a tank could come into play. Think about Miami last year. You know, y- you have a situation where you're into a season, you know you're not going to be competitive yet, you actively move assets like good players, like Minka Fitzpatrick, to other teams to acquire things for the upcoming offseason. That's this, not a tank. That's not a tank. That's a rebuild. That's a, that's a teardown and a rebuild. That's but, but different you are, than a tank. You are, you are actively tanking that season. You're giving up on that season right from the beginning because you know you're not competitive. You know you're tearing it down. You know that you are rebuilding, so you actively tear it down. You're not waiting for contracts to expire. You're getting rid of them. You yeah. move assets to acquire assets. You know, and then you use that year to evaluate what guys you have to maybe be depth or what guys what position groups maybe you don't need to rebuild right away, things like that. And then, you know, you you move things around and you are ready to rebuild the next year. Then there's the other kind of tanking where this season has completely gotten away from you. There's only a couple of games left. Um, you have guys that are on long contracts, say Miles Sanders, um, and uh, there's no reason for him to get hurt. You know what you have in him. Um, don't play him. See what you have behind him. Evaluate the depth that you have behind him. Use this time for that. And you make that choice before a game starts, right? So you decide, I don't want this person to get hurt in any way. I don't need to evaluate them because I know what I have there. You're not dressed for tonight. You're a healthy scratch. And uh, I mean, even in some I mean, ways, I think neither. it's beyond that. It's you're a little banged up. Just don't even practice this fucking week. You have your those... limited practice, and then you don't. You're questionable for the game, and then you don't dress, and we just do whatever for the game. But during the game, tanking doesn't happen because our cardinal rule for what a tank is: tanking is something that players and coaches don't do. Well, we thought so until. Last night, well, players. About, I don't coaching, think. I don't for the, think for, for, the, for the coaching staff. But let me let me back up. You we went way 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 ahead. Those first scenarios you did you talked about are about long term growth of a team. The difference is you are not actively trying to lose no. to gain a benefit. Those are the difference. Those first two things. If you decide you know early on in the season that we are going to. We are going to cut this player for someone else to play. We are going to trade this player. You know, if we're going to trade Marcus Golden, we're going to do this, those type of things. You are not doing that with an express goal to lose so you can get a better draft pick. You've you've made the decision that you are tearing it down to build up. And unfortunately, collateral damage of that is you are going to lose more games than win. Uh the situation, even the second scenario you said, you know, when it's like a couple of games left and you want to evaluate players, that's still part of your teardown and rebuilding your evaluation period. But you are not – the express goal is not to lose on purpose to gain a draft pick. Those To me, so those aren't tanking. Those are just you're in the rebuild. You are living through the rebuild and you're going to suffer because of it. What we saw – what we saw last night and we've seen in other teams and the, I think the debate me and you have all the time is, is it okay to try to lose on purpose to get that better pick when the season is over, you have no chance. Um, to me, there's 
You know, we learn now there's two different ways you can do that. And I think Philly tried to do both. I mean, you can say in week 16, here's our injury list. The entire, you know, your quarterback's not playing, three offensive linemen, all these guys are out. This is our team. You know, but those guys are still who are playing, you know, are trying to win. And... Well, of course, it's their job application. The players right. on the field, their job application right. is their right. film. But but they're but you're going into you're going into that game like it's kind of like an it's almost like a loud tanking almost. It's almost like nudge nudge wink wink. They're tanking. That's the way it is. They are not sabotaging their attempt to lose the game they are currently playing. They are setting themselves up to lose. They are not giving themselves the best opportunity to feel the best team to play. What we saw last night was, you know, they were actively trying to lose that game on purpose. And at first, you know, and it was forget about when they bench hurts. When they didn't go for that field goal and they went for it, that's when, you know, it was clear as that's when I turned to my wife and I said, no playoffs for us. They are. It's not that they're trying to win. They're trying to lose. And it makes no sense. This is a team that, you know, the, the headline going into the game was that was that um, Carson Wentz was going to request a trade. You know, that we were like, why do they draft Jalen Hurts? What, are they going to evaluate him? Here's just, he's going to play these couple of games at the end of his season where their season's basically over to see what he can do. And then he gets, when you have opportunity to play a full game against a team trying to make the playoffs not a team tanking also you know a team that's trying to win as hard as they can to make the playoffs and you pull them you know they clearly made a decision and to lie about it to blatantly lie about it after is you know it's a disgrace and figures that a, a piece of shit shitty city and a piece of shit organization would do this so, uh, you know, I have no problem with the way the game started. Um, no. Philadelphia is mathematically eliminated. You have some guys, you are on long contracts, you know, expensive contracts, whatever. You, I especially agree with having Jalen Hurts play this game. You're mathematically eliminated. You've invested a draft pick in him. You have questions about Carson Wentz's longevity. He's also, I mean, this wasn't talked about all year, but a couple of years ago, if not just one year ago, there's a lot of talk about how his back injury would be something that he was going to have to deal with for forever. He was going to have to deal with pain for forever. They did They did sanction tanking is what they did. Yeah. They Exactly, and know, that's fine. Right. Um, I have no problem with that. Yeah, exactly. And... and there's, there's two things here that I, I don't think are being discussed a lot about this. We can describe the integrity of the game, which is a, a phrase that I personally don't believe. It That sounds like an MLB, like, steroids thing or, you know, a tighter wound ball, and that's why well, we have to maintain simi- Babe Ruth's well, very, record and Astrid's. Well, they're very similar. They're very similar. I, I, that's fine. I'm, I'm just not one of those people, so I'm not – just as I get into this, don't think that yeah, that's go. where I'm going with it. Um, the thing is – uh, you are doing this, and that is pulling players uh, who are now missing an opportunity to build on that resume. They don't know if they're going to be there next year. They don't know where they're going to be. They may not get their opportunity for a full year, if they get one at all, ever again, uh, for these guys. And 
if you think I'm being a little ridiculous, just think about the fact that Philadelphia's been playing with backup tackles all year. And while they've been not very good on the offensive line, they haven't been as bad as I would have expected just by reading the roster sheet. Um, Guys like that, this is their opportunity. They only get this because somebody else gets hurt. Tom Brady doesn't play if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt. So when you actively take people out just because you you think you want to lose to, for something else in the future, you're doing your players a disservice. You're not necessarily doing your organization a service. And that brings me to, they moved three spots in the draft, dude. They moved from nine to six. We are right. not Did talking it? about, sometimes when you lose a game in a normal division that's not shit, you might be out of the wild card by eight o'clock because the Giants won at one. Let's just say that's a hypothetical. And now instead of picking, you know, 15th you're you're now picking 8th that's a pretty big gap in talent when it comes to the first round of the draft and I completely understand at that point but again even then I'm thinking that happened at 1 o'clock you know scratch some people don't don't let them play to begin with don't actively in the middle of the game start tanking because it's just you're doing everyone a disservice that you're pulling halfway through Um, that's one thing that's not really being talked about they only move 3 fucking spots so let's not act like Doug Peterson fell on a sword in front, in a press conference for the people defending this um, to help out the Eagles in the future, who, by the way, are in absolute cap hell next year. Um, the other thing is a lot of the focus is on the Eagles. Some of the focus is on the Giants. No focus whatsoever is on Washington. This was a must-win game. If Philadelphia loses, uh, wins this game... Washington doesn't go to the playoffs. I understand that that's not really Ron Rivera's big goal overarching when he went into the interview for that job. was not to necessarily bring the playoffs in his first year, especially in this method, but it's certainly every head coach's job. That's what they were fighting for. Once again, what's past his prologue? It may not have been what he talked about last offseason, but guess what? At 8 o'clock at night on week 17 – there it is. If you want to talk about the integrity of ga- of the game, talk about the team that just won the division th- b- barely, barely. They, they, they went into a game against a team actively trying to lose before the game started and were playing so poorly that the team actively trying to lose had to pull more players out to let them win. How pathetic is that? That's the team fucking trying. That's your NFC East winner right there. That's well, I mean, what's really pathetic is no. It, first of all, the the game that's pathetic is a primetime game that was hosted, you know, for all the nation to see was that peewee level disgrace and then what's ultimately going to be I can only assume an utter embarrassment against Tampa Bay because either Tampa Bay is going to wallop the shit out of them or Tampa Bay is going to look even more disappointing. Uh so th- this is just catastrophic if you're a Washington fan. I mean, I can't imagine the stress level of watching that game last night. Well, I wouldn't call it catastrophic because they, they won the division. So it's not catastrophic. It I, mean was the, I just mean the performance. Extreme, I'm only extremely, talking about the performance. It's extremely frustrating, but at the end of the day, that all gets winning wipes away a lot of sins. And sure. I, I'm pretty positive No, you know, at, at 11 o'clock last night, not one Washington fan was just like, ugh. They were just like, we won the division. I'll worry about the I'll worry about the performance tomorrow. I'll worry about all these things tomorrow. So I, that's a little over the top, I think, for how they felt and probably feel today. Now we they're like, all right. I mean, 
I'm trying to think of what a giant, a Just Giants podcast would have sounded immediately following that game. How much positive, how much negative we would be. I, I'm, I'm legitimately trying to understand because I couldn't stop laughing watching that game last night. I, I once I knew the tank was in, and I, I mean, if you followed me on Twitter, you know I was running the same page as a cranky fan there. Once they decided to go for it on fourth down and not kick the field goal, I mean, the writing was right there in, in plain ink. Um, I just, I mean, once I once I settled the uh, the idea, just sat in my brain, and I just accepted once I got, it. Once I got it's just in... too funny. That game was just too funny. That I, must be. Yeah. I mean, I'm. I, I probably at my age should have a kid or something like that, but I don't. I imagine this is what fathers feel like when they watch their like little kids' first football game, and it's just a mass of kids running around, and you can't even see the ball, and people are just falling all over each other, and Benny Hill music is playing. That's what it was like. And that's well, I you know I could see your point there, but to me, two things came to mind about that. Uh, first of all, just the, the the sure the tank happening in real time was just making me so aggravated and angry that I got put into Twitter uh, jail for twelve hours. I forgot about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> so if you like the c word, go back and see all the things I said before. But uh, <laughs> that's what did it, huh? I believe the reference and cover your ears, kids. The fact that I may have wanted to take a train down to Philly and take a leak all over this the Rocky statue that probably put it over the top. But you know, here nor there. Um, yeah, my 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 aggravation points are one obviously what Philly was doing, but second is like we're not going to win a division when this is what the division winner was. So I couldn't find any humor in how bad Philly was because we didn't be, we didn't win this division. No. And again, what's past his prologue. I don't care about the whole story of it, what we've been saying on this show, like how this is all a rebuild and we're building culture and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know something? At the end of the day, we were bad, but this shitty team was better than us, even though we beat them twice. And it's just kind of like a, it's, you know, it's, I, I hate to do this, like this dual world of we're showing improvement over last year. We have to kind of prove to people that we are showing improvement, but at the same time, be disappointed that we weren't as good as this. So that, I had that going through me. Um, and the other thing is just, again, the integrity thing is very important. What separates football, baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer from pro wrestling is that it's not staged, it's not fixed, it's not predetermined. They play. Players play, coaches coach, outcomes happen. It's all, you know, it's better teams will beat worse teams, but a lot of it's random and a lot of it's the bounce of the ball. And at the end of the day, that's why you play. And that's why I was so aggravated with the way college football played out with a team like Ohio State playing five games and being in the playoff because they didn't play games that, well, yeah, they probably would have beat these teams, but as Florida showed you, they could also lose those games. You don't know. When you lose the integrity of, you know, it's not all 100% the up and up, people will lose interest in a sport pretty quickly. Now, this is an isolated case of a, a very you know, closely, you know, extraordinary set of circumstances where this actually happened. But what is the biggest source of revenue coming into this league in the next 20, 30 years? Well, it's certainly the biggest source of revenue this year. I can tell you that. 
It's no, the only what, source of revenue this year. No, 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 no. What is the what is going to be the next big revenue stream for this league? And it's starting right now. It's still in its kind of growth, beginning baby steps, but gambling. Mm. This league is going in full, both arms, both legs into, you know, accepting pro, uh, legalized gambling as ultimately going to be a, a major revenue stream for this. Well, the, the Fox ad- can't advertise it to you enough. Right. The advertising, uh, the promotion, I'm sure the leagues are getting a, a taste of it. It generates more interest in the league. People, you know, people who may not even want to watch these games who don't, who could care less about Arizona, Seattle are going to watch it because they've either bet on the game, they have it as part of a parlay, they're doing live betting, all of these things. Well, 99 years out of 100, it gives Cleveland fans something to watch. Exactly. So if you are going to lose, you know, people, a lot of people bet a lot of money on that game last night. And people are not going to bet the – you're – casual gambler where a lot of the money comes from. They just go to Atlantic City one weekend and like, all right, I'll bet 10 bucks on the Eagles because I like the Eagles. When they see that this is turns into something like pro wrestling, they're out because it's not real. And that is something where that's why you have to crack down very, very, very severely on a team like the Eagles for doing it in the manner that they did. I mean, if you know going in that the Eagles are sitting 20 people. Your bet is going to be a lot different than the one you locked in before a game. And all of a sudden out pops some spaz as a 12 string quarterback who can't even, you know, throw to the line of scrimmage. Do you think, do you think anybody who bet on uh, Philly thought well, that, that that was going to be their quarterback? I mean, that, that that's, that's, that's pulling a con game. It's a shell game. And, you know, ha ha. You, know, you laugh now, but stakes are going up, and integrity. This has to be as, as tight as you can be, or else this league is screwed. Look, I, I'm gonna play a little bit of devil's advocate on you because I'm not. I'm, I I agree with what you're saying. I can't argue with it. I mean, it's absolutely true that that's a big revenue stream for the league. It's true that they're diving in feet first for it, um, and uh, the NFL. I, the NFL- I, I can't argue with any of that, but. Where the where I lose the thread and where you know where I can see anybody having a legitimate argument is I don't see how that's Doug Peterson or the Eagles' problem. What other people bet, there is evidence that he said. I mean, the 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 list of people sitting was out beforehand, and not only that, he was asked about Sudfeld and was told he would like to get a look at him in this game. It could be argued that it's on the gambler's incentive a to not bet on a game that you're not sure about and b read the fucking tea leaves i mean that's what these guys do they watch all when you play fantasy football when you do any of this stuff that might involve money transactions and real people watch a lot of film on players you've never heard of and they digest every little bit of stats you know that's a thing to pay attention to then i mean i agree with you that a that was a for me, where I think that the the real issue is is the revenue stream is that was a national primetime game that if you are not a Giants fan, Washington fan, if if you're not a Giants fan or a Washington fan, there was no reason to watch that game anymore, and you probably shut it off and moved on with your life. Even if you're an Eagles fan, why are you watching? He said he was coaching to win. 
Well, okay, that was post-conference, yes. You're right, and that is so, a blatant lie to everybody. So that is, and everybody that is such it. a blatant lie. It, it, it was, he, if he thought his best chance to win was to bench Jalen Hurts or if you dig up the corpse of Norm Van Brocklin or anybody over Studfield, you're lying. So your credibility is completely shot altogether. So, you might as well tell the truth and say what you did. I agree with you there. I mean, I I don't have any problem with... I mean... What is he trying to say? I don't know. I I don't know know why you don't don't just say the the, the truth is... I, I, I got to look at Jalen Hurts. You know, I'm trying to do what I can do. I'm here next year. I'm here to build this team better. I, I'm, you know, I'm trying to evaluate every single thing I have on my roster before I go into the offseason. And even if that's a little bit of bullshit, at least it's more honest than saying you're coaching to win the game. Why don't you say that before the game then? I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why you don't say it at all. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, it's just, again, <laughs> I know obviously this is hitting close to home because it impacted Giants and, and and everything, but still, it's just look like you know, I if, like if I said if this you're, is still not, you are losing your locker room when you're doing that's that. That's my I mean, right there. And here's that's the, the thing. And here's the other thing also. They won the Super Bowl. It was the 2007 uh, 2017 season. Uh-huh. 18, 19, 20. There's not many guys left on that roster that were there when they won the Super Bowl. You know, you, you know how it's how rosters flip over in the NFL now and there's attrition and guys get cut and guys get, you know, for, you know whatever reasons, but they're gone. Mm-hmm. There's not many people quite frankly who give a shit that he won the Super Bowl 3 4 years in the ago. Locker room, no. Right. So when you when you're a Super Bowl winner, you have a lot of credibility. You have a lot of status. You know, you are a winner. That doesn't matter to these guys that much anymore. The guy's coming in now. He's just, you know, he's a coach that I've never liked. I've always said he was a shitty coach. You know, I, I, I've said he's been he, – him and um, Barry uh, Switzer are the two worst coaches I've ever seen in the at the pro level winning a Super Bowl. Hmm. You know, and quite honestly, how does anybody look at the guy in the face anymore? Because – to what we both agree on, and we've been saying it forever, is that players don't tank. Coaches might, players don't. And you may have cost people jobs. You may, you know, because I can guarantee you, with the exception of a very few people on that roster who are guaranteed to be back back next year, everybody's thinking about numero uno as opposed to what this team, which may not even be, I might even be in the league next year to let be with this team, what their draft status will be next year. And to do that in the middle of a game after you prep all week for it, I don't quite frankly know how you keep a locker room at all. I mean, I don't know how happened? you bring in free agents. I, I, I don't either. I mean, you, when we say things about when you bring in guys like not high, super high caliber guys, but around that Golden Tate level. When you bring in guys like Marcus Golden on like a one-year prove-it deal or whatever, what the hell is this fucking incentive to go to a, a place that hasn't won in, in fucking years, in, in like three years, and they've been dreadful? 
last year, and then you have a coach that does that. I mean, what, you got to move. It? This it's is your life. One, this is your one year prove it deal, and you may be taken off the field because we need to lose this game for next year. I know we sucked last year, and that's why we brought you in. But we suck again this year, and so we don't suck next year. I got to take you off the field. Maybe you'll be back next year. Who knows? We'll see. I mean, what's their incentive to sign somebody like that? Why would anyone well, just, sign there? Is it the only your, place offering a one-year deal just think to about everybody's goal? job? Like, yeah. think of your job. Like, forget if you're a football player. Say you're, you know, you're working on a project for three months, and you, you know, every day you're in the minutia of the project plan. And you're doing this, and you. You're trying to understand and solve a problem and build something and you test it and you train for it and you're prepared and all of a sudden we're not uh, we're scrapping this project. There's a budget cut. We're going in a different direction. Not happening. But you thought you just wasted your time and it's like, well, why the hell am I here mm-hmm. if you brought me in to do something and it just got all flushed down the toilet? And that's just for doing some whole on nine to five, you know, brown bagger job. These guys, you know, they... They work their whole life for this opportunity. Right. They don't work a 40-hour a week. They are, you know, they're putting all that time on the field. They are spending every night their nose in a playbook. All the off-season of how many hours every they're in the gym. Every fucking and a trainer. meal that they eat has right. to do with their job. And then let's talk about this year with COVID. You know, you, you think, you know, Grump, you think you had it tough for COVID? You got to stay in your apartment and not really go and see your family? These people got swabbed every day. They were, for long stretches, were not with their family. For long stretches, you know, when they're traveling, it's not like us getting on a plane doing something. It was, at all costs, not catching that virus. They have lived a crazy life for mm-hmm. four months that most people never under. I'm not making out to be heroes, but I'm saying that's the parameters they had to live their life for four years to have this league play with every team playing 16 games. And your goal is two things, survival in the league and winning a Super Bowl (laughs) and winning. And when you prepare even just on a weekly, for the week for it, all of a sudden they clamp the brakes on it. I don't. I don't know how you. I don't know how you look a coach in the face who then lies about it. Yeah, I wonder what that locker room was like after that game. Well, I mean, we saw we saw Hertz on the sidelines saying this that ain't right. right. Yeah, that's not right. On t- you didn't give a shit if anybody on, on t- And this is a guy. This is a guy who is fighting to be the starter next year. Who somewhere, come, if not there, somewhere, somewhere. else. Yeah. I mean, well, probably here because he's a you know they just drafted him. They could trade him. That's true, but he's, he's on a rookie deal, so there's there's good trade value there. Yeah, well, I mean, the way the tea leaves are going in Philly, it's probably Carson Wentz is probably on his way out, but we don't know. My, I mean, the, my point is is that inside that organization, they know how he is in practice and everything he does. No one else outside of that he doesn't know if he's going to be there next year. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the the film is everything to these kids. It's everything. Well, also, too, you know, who knows? I don't, I highly doubt they had the foresight to think there'd be so much bad blowback because of this that, you know, they could just, wait, we'll just, we'll, we'll turn it off and we'll get ready for next year. Okay. But again, please remember, we're talking about three draft pick spots. It's, it's the amount of effort that was put into losing a game. 
you'd think that they, you know, were winning a Ricky Williams yeah, trade or that, something. That, no, 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 no. That's not where I'm going with that. But my yeah. point is that the blowback from this is so bad that. You know, and it's from Eagle fans too. This is not just from us. No, the, the Eagles fans would have been mad if they won, lost, if Carson Wentz threw six hundred no, yards, if Carson Wentz broke his they neck. Are, well, they are embarrassed. Yeah. And, and one thing is, you know, they are a bunch of dickheads. They are, you know, they are, they are the lowest of the low, but they are also proud. Yeah. And they do not like to be embarrassed, and they are. An extreme laughing stock right now around the league, and there will be repercussions from this, and it might backfire and cost Peterson his job. I hope it not. Might... I'd love to keep him there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's one yeah, of those things where sometimes we were talking about this like he hasn't been actively trying to lose his whole fucking career. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, oh, you know, this might be something where you know public opinion sometimes is so strong where you have to do something. So this might completely backfire on on the team. I don't know. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean, as a Giant fan, it's just like – it's funny how, again, when you look at this, the, the Twitter sphere and you think that's what only people are thinking, how everybody thought at the same time at first, oh, they're just trying to screw the Giants to, oh, they're tanking for their own personal gain. Because didn't you get that sense at the beginning where everybody thought that this was being done as like a personal vendetta against the Giants – I mean, I see a lot of ridiculous stuff on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that sentiment. A a lot of it I saw. It was just kind of like – then I was trying to think like, well, anything happened in that first game that we did that was one of those like I'll remember this next time type of moves? And I don't remember anything. Do you? I don't think so. There there was no like brawl or anything. There was no late hits on the quarterback, right? I don't remember anything like that. Something that's like – so. We'll remember this. I don't remember any of that. Yeah, no, I have no idea. There's nothing. I, you know, it's a little bit hard for me to remember because I was like catatonic after that game. Like legitimately, I stared at my TV screen for a while and didn't digest anything after that game was over. And then I just kind of silently <laughs> turned off the TV and I, I sat on the couch <laughs> for a while with a, a glass of uh, rocks and no whiskey in it, I think, for a while. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, I, but nothing comes to mind there. I was like, anything like the Jalen Ramsey and Golden Tate thing. And also like, it's like, it's like a pick your poison also, because again, we're talking about the giants. We're talking about Washington. I mean, there's no, you know, bromance between Philly and Washington. In fact, yeah, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the other thing. I also feel like that's as much of a, that's a strong, I mean, they probably have equally hate rivalries for all three teams in the division, you know? And so it's just a weird, weird situation that played out as badly as the league could hope for. Obviously, as bad as it could happen for the Giants and for the Eagles and Washington, uh, they take advantage and you know they tried as hard as they can to piss it away, but you know they're in. And one thing, I, one final thing, I will say, I would much rather have a six and ten team win a division than do what. The Big Ten did in college football and change midseason, change their rules to get the teams in that they wanted to. I mean, yep. that it was an out and out. I, I'm not, I didn't watch one second of the playoff. I will not watch one second of the championship game because that is a illegitimate playoff system. It sucks that, you know, there's, you know, there are teams that are not going to make the playoffs that are legitimately really good teams and 
maybe had a chance to win the Super Bowl, but you know something? Everything is cyclical, and there's going to be years where the NFC East is going to have three teams with 11 wins. This year, they're 6-10. and 10. That's the way it goes. If this league, and like all other sports, wants to keep expanding their playoffs because they want the playoff money, you know, there's a very easy solution. The Premier League has no playoffs. There's 20 teams. You play each other twice. And after week 38, whoever has the most points, you're the champ. We're not doing that in, in America. That's not how we. That's not how we're wired. We like playoffs. We want more teams in it. You know, fine. If that's the case, and in the league we only play 16 games and there's 32 teams, you're not going to play everybody. You have to come up with a system where it's fair to have the, the fairest way possible to get the right teams in is what we have now. And sometimes it sucks. This year it sucks, but. At least it's legitimate because those are the rules, and we stuck by the rules. Um, <laughs> exactly. I, 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 well, I mean, you said something there where you'd much rather have a six and ten team, blah blah blah. I'm thinking about it, and I would much rather be the six and ten team with the pieces in place right now than I think any other team in the division going into next year except for maybe, maybe Dallas. Okay, that's a different conversation. It is, it is, it is. But just the yeah. way you phrased it kind of triggered that in my mind. I just wanted to pivot this podcast about sure. the Giants to be about the Giants again. So, yeah. um, you know, I look at Washington and congratulations to them for whatever, you know, all things aside, winning the division, sure, whatever. Now, now entering a offseason with a worse draft pick, not marginally worse, like three slots, a lot worse, um, as they enter the playoffs. They have a quarterback with one leg cumulative, um, and they have axed their their draft pick from like a year ago at quarterback. They have they have no answer. They don't have a, tw- a, a 2021 quarterback right now, in my opinion. Um, right. That is a huge problem. And while they do have a very good defensive line, some guys' contracts are expiring, they still don't have a very good secondary. Uh, their offensive line is a little bit here, a little bit there. They don't have a whole lot of weapons. The team is in a big roster problem right there. Um, and now their their draft capital has taken a dive as well. If they were situated at quarterback, if it was Dwayne Haskins who you know played really, really well this year and had all the maturity, whatever the issues are with him, if... if that Dwayne one, Haskins, even if he was Daniel Jones, let's let's set the bar pretty low. If he was Daniel Jones, yeah, he'd be exactly. more concerned. I, I would I would be a lot less concerned about going to the playoffs. Happy, congratulations, you made the playoffs. You know the, the wins were the wins, the losses were what they were. We'll take them. But you know what? Going to the playoffs, we're going into next year. We we seem to have some right pieces here. We certainly look like we got our quarterback in place. We only got to fix a few things here, and we'll be like really competitive. That's not the case in Washington right now. They don't have a quarterback. Philadelphia, I don't even know what the fuck they are anymore. I mean, it, it, the the coach is a doofus still. We're not really we sure if Jim Schwartz is going to be back. I mean, he's contemplating retirement. We um, don't even know if Doug Peterson is going to be back. I mean, it could be we're not sure of the quarterback. We're not sure the, the the head coach. We're not sure of the GM. Any of these guys maybe. Guys, back. they have like somebody else has broken it down. I don't want to slander them or misrepresent them, but they have to. They are in such 
a bad cap situation. They either have to find a trade partner for Wentz to actually lose his contract, not cut him, but trade him away, which they're going to have to find someone gullible to take it, that is. Not just take the player, but take that huge hit. Um, or else they will have to lose like their entire defense and start from scratch. They are actually in the worst spot you could possibly be in this year. Can I make a bold... I'm going to just throw this out here on January 4th. Go for it. Why do I see some sort of trade with them in the Lions? I don't even know who the Lions coach is going to be. I mean... Well, I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of smoke that Stafford won't be back next year. Or Pat- has know, Patricia been fired yet? Oh, he was long fired. Yeah, yeah he, he was, was fired a while ago, right? Right. But I mean, like, it, it seems like the writing's on the wall that Stafford's going to be gone. Uh, but he's not. He has a big contract as well. Why do I? Why do I have a gut feeling that there's your trade? I mean, it's it's. I mean, I don't hate Carson Wentz as most of as much as most of other people. I mean, I don't think I hate him as much as I, Philly I, fans, I, to be honest. No, with you. I I think the situation probably is probably so toxic right now in Philly where a move has to be made. I mean, think of Carson Wentz, like he's gone through in his career where. You know, he was the big draft pick. He gets hurt. He sits on the bench when they win a Super Bowl. Hmm. He never can really stay healthy. And what do they do? And he's finally going to get healthy. He signs an extension, they, they, and you know he gets hurt. Then they all of a sudden, they draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. It's like – and then, you know, the writing was on the wall where they made the switch to him. The team is awful this year. You know, who knows where that relationship with him and Peterson is. Sounds like it's not good. So it's not a question of whence is that that bad. It's just sometimes we all just got to say goodbye and move on. And that's absolutely what this seems like. But does Philly, does Philly feel they are in complete rebuild mode? They probably don't because you don't like to admit it unless it's blatantly, blatantly obvious. And it's kind of obvious to me, but maybe not to them. That's why – you know, they may try to get a guy like Stafford and try to do what we did with Eli is squeeze a little left out of this that we think we have when it just doesn't make any sense to. And they delay the inevitable of committing full so born. Into are, their you, are you thinking a person for person trade wins for Stafford? I don't I don't know if it even would work with the with the salary cap or if other pieces have to be involved. But that would I, be, I mean, just that would be very strange. When was the last time we saw a quarterback for quarterback trade? I don't know, but it seems like these are two quarterbacks that need a change in. I mean, you can talk about Matt Ryan as well. That's another one. I mean, I don't Jimmy know. Jimmy what... Garoppolo is also rumored. I could see that one, although he's got a pretty huge contract as well. Yeah, these are, this is a huge contract, and uh, that may not be so exciting for Garoppolo for a guy who can't stay healthy with it. You know, all that. You know, the the, the offensive line issues that. Yeah, uh, that Philly has. I'm just saying though, I, I I think that the move to trade him is not so unlikely as it kind of sounds like. Oh, who would trade for that guy in that contract? Well, there we just rattle off a couple names that could be potential partners. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. So I just kind of want to go through a couple things. So basically, what I'm saying is, at the end of the year, we're going to go through like a year end stuff as this podcast goes on over the next couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about the playoffs because we're going to watch them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do. I do want to say a couple things. You know, because they're big pieces moving forward. 
um, and just how I felt about felt about them. Um, big pieces. Leonard Williams, we can talk about, is specifically made an exclamation point on his season in this game, right? I mean, three sacks, he gets to the double digits category. Um, this was this was a huge statement game for him. Uh, you know, I I know that people love Dalvin Tomlinson, and I know that um, you know this might be a a big year for Leonard Williams statistically. It might be his biggest year, but. I don't know how you you choose Dalvin Tomlinson over Leonard Williams uh, when when the sack numbers are there. You know, I know last if year you, they weren't, it, but that was actually the statistical outlier for him. If you were a fan of, let's say, uh, Atlanta, and you see on the free agent market Dalvin Tomlinson or Leonard Williams, without having a history of watching Dalvin Tomlinson being drafted by your team and you watching him grow and develop and you get attached to him, it's a no-brainer. You want Leonard Williams. I mean, people like Dalvin Thompson because he's, you know, they they feel like they've nurtured him, they've hatched him from from they've seen him develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're talking about fans. I'm still, you know, from a GM standpoint, I don't know how you say no to the the, the way that he played this year and choose. Of course, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about just how you know we have to kind of do our in- analysis, thinking a little bit how the fans think as well, because we interact with them all the time. Yeah, and that's yeah, you're right. to deal with. So yeah, I, 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 you know, the only question you may have is, did he have a higher motor this year because it was a contract year? But you know something, he was in contract year last year, exactly. And uh, I, I, I think well, let's start from the very beginning. Can we finally put to bed the what a stupid trade it was? Look, I mean, in general, if you're complaining about things. I mean, it's you're it's okay to be wrong. You could still make your argument that you don't want Gettleman anymore, but admit this may not be your strongest argument for that. I mean, it's just the guy played out of his ass. Mm-hmm. He really did. I mean, and you got him for not just a rental, not for three games. We had him for what, twenty something games? Yeah, 20, I mean, I. I 24 games? Again, you're never going to be able to analyze a trade until you actually look at the assets and how things play out. So, I mean, we see what those those picks became. I don't have them in front of me. It's not really important because if he gets re- – he's he's played worthy of a, a contract. Whether we're able to give it to him or not is not really important. Um, <laughs> we'll see. If, if he gets re-signed, then at the end of next year we can fully look back at this deal. And, and and look at the trade and see what was traded for what and who's really in the better place. Until then, I mean, you can't say on its face anymore with any credibility that this was a bad trade, in my opinion. It is absolutely not a GM-killing trade, which a lot of people, as soon as it happened, were just in complete outrage about. I mean, you should never be in outrage over a trade, even from the beginning, just because you don't, you don't know, quite frankly. And, you know, his value is even more than the numbers, more than the sacks. It was this team needed a good defense this year because this team, instead of being six and ten, could have been two and fourteen. How bad the offense played for a long stretch of the year, and then not having your quarterback playing for a few games and stuff. This defense made this team respectable. Forget the record. Ignore the record for a minute. If you just watched every game, they were in almost every game this year with a couple exceptions because of the defense. Mm-hmm. 
and that's very very important and he was a critical him up front James Bradbury in the back those guys stabilized a very young team that could have gone sideways very quickly Mm -hmm. and that having forget wins and losses again but just buying this coaching staff time getting people off your case immediately you know this team and again remember people forget about this team this team was one in seven at one point Hmm. i mean it's 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 really it's a tale of two different uh seasons not to say that the second half was this all of a sudden super bowl contending team but this team built an incredible hole for itself record wise and battled back and, and, and showed it had balls and showed that it cared. And a lot of that's on the coaches, but a lot of that's on the players. And guys like Leonard Williams kept this defense together when it could have just tanked it and mailed it in for the rest of the year. So, you know, that alone, you know, he made guys around him on the defensive line better just because he was playing good. You know, he commands the attention, especially with no – uh, pass rush along the edge. He commands more attention, makes it easier for the rest of the guys on the line too. So, you know, what what they do is going to depend on finances as an aggregate of what they do with their money. But he is worthy of a contract if they have the money to do it. Another person that um, you know we we need to talk about for the future here is uh, we'll we'll start at the bottom here. Wayne Gallman. Uh, really stepped up and showed that he belongs as a role playing back, but you know for for all the all the Giants fans who were very happy with him and the way he played, he also in this game showed why he is not a bell cow. I mean, two fumbles in the most critical game of the year. Um, both of them, I'm not even sure if one is more ridiculous than the other because every time I think one not securing a handoff is Pee Wee level shit, and. Um, the other one, I don't even know when it happened. I mean, it's just a slick ball or it, something. But it would have been worse. We 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 discussed this on the last podcast. Would have been worse than Joe Pasarczyk. Would have been worse than um, fuck nuts name. Yeah, yeah. Sean that, Jackson. That, that is his it name, would, actually. It would have been the most disgraceful moment of you know possibly in Giants history. Yeah. If, if yeah, they, it would be right up in get, there with those highlights. If they would have, you know, got the ball back and scored and won, it would have been right up there. Um, Wayne Gallman is a backup running back. You're right. And here's the thing: if it's announced tomorrow that Saquon Barkley has to retire from football, we will be looking immediately for a starting running back. Yes, he is not the guy. I mean, he is what he is. It's his great. You know, it's kind of like how I feel like we spend too much time in training camp worrying about the. You know, the argument for who's going to be the fourth receiver. I kind of feel the same way about Wayne Gallman. It's like, yeah, it's nice. He's a nice change of pace guy. But when we have Saquon Barkley back and he's healthy, he's going to have the vast majority of snaps. He's going to be involved so much in this offense. Okay, when he takes a little breather, it's you don't need that much to fill that role. You don't need as much as what Wayne Gallman would give you. So it, it Nice story. Glad he filled in and did something after, you know, waiting, buying his time with coaches didn't believe in him. But he's not – I don't know what his role is on this team next year. Well, it won't not, be. He's a free agent and I don't see him being resigned. We're not paying for, you know, A, 
for him to basically do nothing if uh, if if, if Barkley's gone, if Barkley's back, or B, we don't can't count on him to be that bell cow like you said if Barkley's out again. So thanks for what you did, but I don't expect to see him back. No. Um, and then the last one is Evan Ingram. Uh, we did not talk enough about uh, how typical this was for an Evan Ingram game. Um, he is you know, what he is. He is what he is. Guys have to understand, this coaching staff was put in a position early on to have to decide on his fifth-year option without actually seeing him with their own eyes, only the film they have of him. Couldn't even fucking meet the guy. I mean, with, with COVID restrictions, whatever. They exercised it. It was the right move to make at the time. They are now on the hook for his one point, what, I don't know. It, it, it's like double whatever he's making How this year. How much is it about? Uh, I don't know. It's it, it's a first-year player. Uh, three million, maybe, I want to say. Almost four. Yeah, look it up. Let's, let's see how right I am at guessing. Awful. Um, it's it's six million. He's ma- he made uh, three and a half this year, so he's getting six million next year. He's staying. I mean, he he is here. No team in the league is going to trade unless it's mid season next year. Is going to trade take that option based on the performance he has put on the field his entire career, not before yep. the season starts. If he starts having a really good contract year. Um, and this team is terrible, or, or whatever the case is with this team. If another team thinks they're a tight end away, they might trade for him. Yeah, but for some reason, I I feel like if he's having a Pro Bowl type year, this offense won't be terrible. Uh, he had a Pro Bowl <laughs> I, year I, this year. What are you talking about? Um, you know what I mean. That was a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, not a not reputation bowl, Pro Bowl. I mean, I I think those two kind of go hand in hand. You're right. Um, no, it, it, I I think you know. We don't know what the roster will be next year. We don't know how the draft's going to play out. We don't, we don't know a lot of things. We don't know who the coordinators are going to be. We'll talk about that in a minute. But my expectation is this team will be better than a 6-10 and 10 team next year. I have so, an expectation as well. Yes. And, you know, the window is not closed. The window is still kind of being brought open. And with that, you know, Maybe, you know, you see – you already invested in Ever Ingram and you see what he can do. You know, it's one of those things where it just becomes – if he has a season like he did this year, it's blatantly obvious you're not going to resign him. If he has a good year, it's something you think about. But those are the decisions you want to kind of make. You don't want it to be like a slam dunk to just get rid of him because he's always going to be that guy where you're like, damn, look, at the, look how he's a mismatch. You know, all that the cliche nonsense with every – meathead on Fox uh, analysts say um, we as fans have made our decision but again we are not GMs we are not player personnel guys and it's not we our not money in, we're not in charge of the purse strings we're not <laughs> so you know I think you, you, they'll roll with them next year and they'll see what happens and uh, if, if he's the same inc- I think it's the inconsistency it's, it's, we're still seeing the kind of the, the, the hotter the moment is, the, the worse he is type of thing, he won't be back. I mean, again, we're in, he's not going to cost this team from going to the Super Bowl next year. We're not there yet next year. Um, but 
see what happens. Real quick, we'll run around. Our, our coordinators here are uh, receiving interview requests. Um, Patrick Graham was requested by the New York Jets. Uh, Jason Garrett was requested somewhere else. I don't remember. Uh, Chargers. Yeah. Um, let's let's talk about um, let's talk about Graham for a second first, really quickly. Uh, the Jets need <laughs> this is their opportunity right now to com- completely reinvent themselves. Right? They are probably going to get uh, Justin Fields. Most likely, unless they can pull off some extraordinary blockbuster trade and get tons of assets and do the smart thing, mm. which means they probably won't. So Patrick Graham is not moving the needle for excitement for the Jets. They are going to try. And remember also uh, their owner, uh, Johnson, Woody Johnson, on January 21st is no longer ambassador to Ireland because, you know, that they – so you're saying He's, the organization is going to get even worse as he focuses more of his attention on it? Well, yeah, he'll be back with the organization, which means he's probably – which all owners like to do, whether they're new owners or they're back on the scene, they're going to want to make a splash. Usually that's not in the best interest of a team, but he's going to come back and say, you know, all right, you know, I'm not a young guy. This team's been floundering. He's going to try to get a name. So I can't see Patrick Graham – uh, you know, be, being that guy for this. I find it hard to believe that Jason Garrett is going to be the LA Chargers guy. Um, I think that that is a very, very, very coveted job going into this. A, you're living in LA. Um, you're you're living in so- Southern California. That's awesome. Um, and, and B, uh, you're inheriting a very good roster and good draft picks on top of it. Yeah. I mean, that is and, a crazy good defense. You have Keenan Allen on offense. You have Justin Herbert looked really good this year. Um, what is the downside see, to say? There's no way that someone else doesn't want that job that isn't more qualified and more appealing than Jason Garrett. That's just how I see well, it. Well, the tea leaves I've heard is somebody else they're interested in, which not, would not make me happy at all, is Dan Mullen. In, uh, in L.A.? Yeah. Wow, I saw I saw him pegged for Atlanta. I saw him pegged for Atlanta. I saw him pegged for the Jets. I've seen him pegged for I basically anywhere where there's a good young quarterback who needs an offensive-minded head coach. He's been pegged to. What, um, you you would think they would go after Lincoln Riley. I I think that Dan Mullen is regarded as a better offensive mind than Lincoln Riley. Really, that's interesting. He's, a, he's thought of as a better. Well, think of the think of the quarterbacks who he has coached. You'll have to list them up. I don't. I haven't followed his career. Alex Smith, Tim Tebow, Dak Prescott, Kyle Trask. That's four pretty good names for guys that, you know, Dak Prescott, Kyle Trask, Alex Smith, pretty low-rated prospects coming out of high school. And they've the combined money they've all made is quite a bit. Now Tim Tebow is a high, is a big time prospect, but as we all know, is a unusual quarterback. He's not your prototypical gunslinging quarterback. But he, you know, say what you want, you know, the opportunities he may or may not have should have had in the NFL. But the guy still won a Heisman Trophy, won two national titles, and has the mythical 
best player ever, according to ESPN. But that's all Dan Mullen guys. Um, back to why the Charger job, another reason why it's very coveted, I think, is that nobody cares about the Chargers in L.A. The pressure, there's no pressure yes, to sure. be the, the Chargers. I mean, now you know they share the new stadium with the Rams. Uh, you know, I don't sense that. You know, of all the major sports, I feel like you know we want we heard for 30 years when is the NFL coming back and the NFL coming back? Well, it's back and it feels like no one cares. Well, you know, to it, be fair, no one could go. Even, <laughs> well, even before, I mean, you were you were able last year to watch NFL football in a 25,000 seat stadium didn't come close to selling out. That's true. Rams did okay, you know, but they also had a heritage going back, you know, a long, long time. So if you are the second fiddle in a, in a sports town that's very transient and just doesn't care that much, that's the best place to be. You know, you just kind of – you have time to do your thing. I mean I think Lynn got fired because they so spectacularly lost games this year and just you know, defeat from the jaws of victory how many times. And with, you know, they have a potential superstar quarterback and like you said, a great roster. And they just realized this is not, we don't want a taxi driver driving this Ferrari potentially. It would be certainly be an interesting storyline if Jason Garrett does go there because they are 2021 opponents of the New York Giants. They are yeah, well, an away game opponent and yep. a potential road trip. One more thing about Garrett before. I think, you know, as quickly we, – we all thought when Garrett became the offensive coordinator, it was kind of a, a rehabilitation stop for him. He'd be our coordinator for a couple of years, Correct. shows any kind of success, and he'd be back coaching. Correct. We knew that was happening very quickly. The fact that after one year, he's already getting, you know, uh, interview requests yeah. tells me that the fans – a lot of them just don't know what they're talking about when they're like, fire Garrett, fire Garrett. He sucks, he sucks, he sucks. No, he doesn't suck. You know, it's – you have to look at what the, the, the pieces this offense had. And again, I'm going to go back to this. I say this every week on this show. Every time I talk about the Gators and with their defense, how bad it was, no offseason made it so difficult for these coaches. I mean, it it's impossible to – fully implement what you want to do without the FaceTime and the reps and OTAs and things. You have a young quarterback who didn't, you know, going through his second offensive coordinator in two years, you can't do these things. A, a, a young quarterback who right now is one of the, you know, in the bottom quarter of quarterbacks in this league, who's going to take time to develop, who also got hurt, all these different things, offensive line that they're, you know, they're still trying to build. You have all these rookies and first-year guys. You don't have Saquon Barkley. You don't have a number one receiver. You have a, a, a quote-unquote Pro Bowl tight end who can't catch when, when, the, when the heat is on. Octum's, Octum's razor, the, what's the most logical thing? That all of these things are happening or, oh, no, the offensive coordinator sucks. That's why the offense stinks. No. I, I, he – football – people know he's a good coach and I think this is I don't want to, it's not vindication but it's just kind of like it puts in perspective when you you look for scapegoats and more often than not people look to the head coach or the coordinator or just the quarterback as the 
know, the panacea of, of all their problems, and this will be solved as soon as you change it. No. He's a, he's a pretty good coach. And um, the question always becomes, when you get rid of him, who are you going to replace him with? Could be worse. It could definitely be worse. Lane Kiffin is still uh, sitting around looking for something to do, isn't he? No, uh, he's the head coach. He's at uh, Old Miss. He's, That's uh, right. I actually just learned that. Anyway, and, and it's a per, it's a perfect spot for him too. Just a a loser school that you know could score forty points a game and he'll act happy, but lose fifty to forty. He'll probably get them on probation in three years, whatever. But <laughs> I mean, if Garrett is back another year, if he if he survives, he doesn't take the job or doesn't get the job in in with, with the Chargers. He's coming back next year. They're not firing him. I mean, that's, I could almost guarantee that. I mean, I think he's held in very high esteem with everybody. We've discussed how maybe the mayors might have imposed him on uh, Joe Judge, but I would, I would venture to say that he'll definitely be back if he doesn't get another job. And we will be back as well um, next week after the playoff games have – uh, completed playoff playoff yeah. yeah yeah after they've playoffed uh, we'll be back next week same place and time as this recording so Tuesday morning you will yeah, have and, our next episode in there and if that flew over your head yes we are now downshifting back to our off season of one episode a week there's no reason to preview and review anymore since we are bounced so we'll be back to a weekly schedule until Hopefully we have a regular regular season next year. But that doesn't mean there'll be less content. We are in the works for a whole bunch of new stuff coming up for this upcoming off season. So stay tuned for all of that. There'll be official announcements when things are official and they are officially yours to listen to. Um, how, how official yes, sounding. It's very official. Um, so thanks for hanging out with us for a whole season, really. Um, it wasn't an easy season from start to finish. It was a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of stuff on the fly. Um, and it was it was honestly really fun doing it. And I, for one, appreciate every bit of input from Twitter, the the comments uh, on, on iTunes or whatever for uh, the podcast. I really appreciate you guys taking your time, even if it's just background noise while you do the dishes or work from home during COVID and whatever. I really do appreciate it. You guys are the best, seriously. And yeah. I wouldn't it, do this just for fun. I could easily just have a phone call with him and not do all the editing and the homework that I do for this show. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's um, way back when we were talking in early summer, you know, you all heard me say that there was basically no chance we'd have a season. I was very pessimistic about it. Uh, You know, say what you will about the NFL. We're just, you know, plowing forward and, you know, we can have a discussion some point maybe in the offseason of whether it was the right thing to do to play the whole season or not. But uh, they did it. Uh, You know, obviously not being in the stands at the Meadowlands is – a very big bummer and uh, following a team is great. You know, when you watch on TV every week and do all the things that we do and know things you do, but there's nothing like actually being in the stadium and watching your team and being part of that fan experience, that communal group thing. Uh, so that's, I'm hoping next year we can be back to that again. Um, yeah, I, we, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys hearing his ramble about the Giants this year and how we go off topic. You know, I I apologize to you all if you have to hear me talk about the Gators. I apologize to the Rocky statue that I was going to urinate on you after what happened last night. You know, I but 
you know, you all make it fun and we really enjoy the feedback we get from you. We enjoy the friendships we've made from everybody. Um, and we hope to grow that even more next year. And hopefully we are talking about a team that is continuing its rebuild. We're hopefully talking about a team that is not just in the playoff hunt because somebody has to be in the playoffs in the NFC East, that we're actually a playoff team uh, to be determined. But I like the direction this team is going. Um, maybe it's a little slower than we all hope. We, we all want to be in the Super Bowl every year. But I think the foundation with this coaching staff and, yes, what Dave Gettleman has done may not be as obvious to everybody, but uh, I think we're on the right path. So hopefully this show will be a lot more happier from a non-COVID and a more winnings standpoint next year but I, I'm pretty confident in both so so we will see you all next week as always you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore grump and you can follow the cranky fan at, at the cranky fan and uh, be sure to subscribe for you know and follow us for, for all the updated stuff the new content that's going to be coming out in the coming weeks so even though we can't say it on Sundays anymore we can continue saying it Monday through Friday at work to everybody who will listen to us but Go, Go Giants. Giants. Fuck you, Billy.